Welcome to the LearCast by Lear Capital, the precious metals leader. With over $3 billion in trusted transactions, the LearCast aims to keep you informed and aware of precious metals news and events affecting the economy, the dollar, and your savings. Visit our website at learcapital.com. And now, here is your host, Rachel Mills. Today's date is August 1st, 2023. Let's start off with financial market updates for the day. The Dow is at 35,608, showing a slight gain so far of 48 points, or up 0.14%. Gold is at 19.79 per ounce, representing a decrease of 1.5%, down about $30. Silver is at $24.35, down 60 cents, or 2.5%. That's so far today. Additionally, Bitcoin is down a bit to $28,952.89. That's a decrease of 0.85%, down $250. Moving on to the latest top articles that are grabbing people's attention from various financial sources. Number one, Lear Capital predicts silver could skyrocket. This article is on Yahoo Finance. It provides insights into the potential for silver to increase in value. Our very own Kevin Demerit of Lear Capital shares analysis on the silver market and expects the price of silver to go up whether the economy does or not. Silver has industrial uses that increase its demand in economic booms. And it also has wealth preservation appeal in times of uncertainty. For these reasons, he is very bullish on silver. Number two, gold price forecasts as central bank accumulation is the most rapid since 1960. And that is from Investors Observer features this article, which explores recent trends in world central bank's gold buying sprees. Notably, it points out that in spite of gold trading near all-time highs, central banks are accumulating it faster than at any other time since 1960, and buying patterns are eerily similar to those around the financial crisis period of 2008 to 2010. Why is that? Possibly because central banks are nervous about the U.S. dollar, possibly also war. Number three, no chance we have a soft landing. Market Watch brings this thought-provoking article on the likelihood of a soft landing in today's economy, offering a pessimistic perspective on potential challenges and risks from stock market strategist David Rosenberg. He thinks Jerome Powell's Fed has made a recession inevitable with aggressive rate hikes. He discounts the more optimistic views of Janet Yellen and Jamie Dimon, by pointing out troubling indicators they seem to be ignoring. This is a longer-form interview article with lots of insights and solid data. And article number four, substituting cryptocurrency for gold exposure may be a costly mistake. That's on CNBC.com. This article delves into the potential risks of replacing gold exposure with cryptocurrency. With expert opinions and market analysis, it emphasizes the importance of understanding the potential pitfalls when considering such a substitution, most critically, the wild volatility still in the crypto market versus the relative stability of gold. Be sure to check the show notes for links to these articles 
to read them in full. If you'd like the email version of our weekly headlines, head on over to www.learcapital.com and subscribe to gather valuable insights for your precious metals decision. You can also call us at 1-800-816-5452 when you're ready to make your move into precious metals. Once again, that is 1-800-816-5452. Now this week, I sat down with our company's founder and owner, Kevin Demerit, to discuss the BRICS countries, that is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Together, those nations represent 40% of the population on the planet, and they might be joining forces to dethrone the dollar. Let's get Kevin's insight. All right, so welcome, Kevin Demerit, to the LearCast. It's great to have you today. You are the founder and owner of Lear Capital, where I work. Um, so our fearless leader, it's great to have you join us today. I wanted to ask you uh, your expertise. You've got your finger on the pulse of current events and the markets and everything going on uh, geopolitically. Can you tell us what, in your opinion, is going on with these BRICS countries are they or are they not going to set up a competing reserve currency? And what, in your opinion, is going on? Well, Rachel, uh, great to be on the program, uh, by the way. And, you know, to me, this is a real tipping point. If this BRICS, if these BRICS countries do implement this currency. So we have Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa looking to implement a new currency to challenge the dollar. And the big uh, plus to this currency is that it will be gold-backed, at least the way they have presented it now. So why I say that there's a tipping point here is that these BRICS countries represent about 3.5 billion people, which is approximately 40% of the world's population. So you're talking five countries, 40% of the population. That, to me, is getting toward a tipping point where it's just not, we're talking about a reserve currency that could take over the United States. You're getting very, very close uh, after, you know, seven or eight, nine, 10 years of listening to the dollar potentially could be taken over to a real opportunity of it uh, being taken over, you know, for sure this time. And if it does, I think it'll be the biggest transfer of wealth between nations the world has ever experienced. Wow. Um, in what way do you think, how... What's the mechanism that the wealth is going to transfer? Like, what what do you envision happening? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, if you trade dollars back and forth, paper dollars that you can just print up or digital uh, dollars, you know, you're looking at countries with trade deficits printing up some extra money and sending it over to the other country. So that's one uh, mechanism. And last year, the U.S. had a $960 billion trade deficit. But if you start using real assets to trade with countries, then it starts to, that trade deficit starts to become a lot more meaningful. And what I mean by that is an example would be, let's say that the BRICS countries don't back a portion of this dollar with gold. They back the whole thing with gold meaning that I would have to go buy this BRICS currency with U.S. dollars and then trade with those BRICS countries. If I have a trillion dollar basically deficit and they have a trillion dollar surplus, at the end of the year, I have literally sent them $1 trillion worth of gold 
more than they've sent me. But what did I get in return for that, for those, for the goal? I got toys, I got cars, I got clothing. I got everything that depreciates mm-hmm. for the gold that they are now, that they now have $1 trillion more than I do. Yeah, I've yeah. literally transferred yeah. real wealth. I did not just a piece of paper like we're working with now. I've transferred real wealth. And it really starts to become obvious if I said, hey, let's do this with real estate. You know, the U.S. has $70 trillion worth of real estate. And one year I say, well, then I'll just give those other countries another trillion dollars because I'm running a trillion dollar deficit. I'll, I'll give them one and a half percent, which would represent one trillion on 70 trillion. I'm going to do this. Well, in six years, I've given them 10 percent of our real estate away. That starts to become much more real than it's just a bunch of paper dollars that I'm you know, sending over to them. So to me, this is a, an incredible strategy with countries who absolutely love gold, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. The countries that love gold backing this currency and then sucking all of the real wealth from countries like us who have the deficit to countries like themselves. So essentially, we're going to be sending them all of our gold. And in exchange, we're going to get depreciating goods, things that are going to end up in a landfill eventually. That's not a great trade. No, it's not a great trade. It used to be how trade was done and why trade deficits or trade surpluses mattered because real wealth was getting transferred. But when everybody went to paper dollars, it it became less important. Um, And people just said, okay, you can run up a trade deficit, you know, through the roof. But it actually gets worse simply for the fact that if I need to purchase the currency, which is really, you know, I'm buying a piece of gold or some portion of it with gold, um, then the demand for that currency, if it took over as the world's reserve currency, would also drive up the demand for gold, which would drive up the price of gold. Because you have to back it with that gold. Correct. Mm-hmm. As soon as you do that, the price of gold would increase, meaning the value of their currency would increase. Mm-hmm. The value of my currency would decrease compared to that currency, just like we see in today's world. So it, my trade deficit goes from $1 trillion to maybe $1.2 trillion and then $1.5 trillion because my currency is worth less, their currency is worth more. I'm literally helping them drive up the value of their currency compared to us and transfer even more wealth as time goes on. So this in the meantime, very- we're printing up toilet paper. Right. <laughs> this this is very, very concerning. Um, and when you when you look at these countries, South Africa has the largest unmined gold reserve. Uh, Russia's number three. China really doesn't report, but if I had to guess, they're number one or number two. So yeah. it makes sense that they would want to back their currencies by gold. And then force us to buy the currency, which is really buying gold, and then send all that currency over to them, uh, increasing their gold reserves even further. So this is an incredible strategy and and could be devastating for the U.S. dollar uh, in the long term. Well, not even really in the long term, over the next two to three years, because I think countries, if they switch to this BRICS currency and the stability of it, would then sell off dollars to do it. And if they sold off those dollars, we get all those dollars repatriated back into the United States. I heard Robin Kiyosaki of Rich Dad Poor Dad said, you know, we would have an inflation that would rival the 70s, if not even worse. If you flooded the United States with all the currency that's being held by other countries out there to do trade, uh, you'd have a, a complete collapse of the U.S. dollar and inflation through the roof. So 
it is very concerning and people should really pay attention because on August 22nd, these countries meet and, uh, you know, supposedly are going to see how close they can get to starting the implementation of this BRICS currency. So we've heard one story from South Africa that uh, a gold-backed BRICS currency is not on the table. We've heard another story from Russia. Who do you think is lying? Well, you've you've heard a lot of countries talk about the U.S. has weaponized the U.S. dollar, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, For political reasons, for war reasons, uh, just recently with Russia, um, you know, in in the Middle East with Iraq when we went in there, um, and, and even with China. If I had to guess, I would say countries are nervous about the fact that if I hold U.S. dollars, trillions or billions of dollars of U.S. currency, and that's what I trade with, and I tick off the United States politically or side with someone that that they don't like in a war issue, I could have my reserve currency just completely eliminated or at least frozen like we see with Russia. Mm -hmm. So I would believe that A lot of countries, like I said in the beginning, over the past 10 years, have talked about the fact that we needed a commodity-based currency or we needed a different currency that's a basket of other people's currencies, that this is more real than it is not real. And it makes sense with the countries that are backing it. You know, makes sense with Russia, definitely makes sense with China, makes sense with India. Um, The other two countries are, you know, a little bit smaller, but they also like South Africa has the number one gold reserve. So, you know, it's a good country to have on your side if you're going to back, uh, you know, the, their, this new currency with with gold. I can also think of some reasons countries like South Africa would, would want to play their cards a little closer to their chest and maybe be coy about whether it's really in the cards or not. Uh, but I think what you're touching on is uh, how this gets to the grocery store level and how this affects people uh, in their day-to-day life. Um, and, and why Americans should care about the dollar as a reserve currency being replaced. Can you touch on that a little bit, a little bit more? Well, sure. Right now, uh, the U.S. dollar being the world's reserve currency, all other countries purchase our dollar, which supports our debt, which supports the dollar. Um, even though we print up trillions of them, these countries have to support it for trade. If you want oil, you have to buy U.S. currency, and then trade in U.S. currency for that oil. You take that away, and we can't keep printing up as much money as we have in the past. The bigger issue would be how much of that money comes back to the United States. Mm -hmm. So the countries that are holding that reserve currency as the biggest reserve currency in the entire world start to liquidate, that would just crash the U.S. dollar, meaning our food prices would go through the roof and they're not priced in U.S. dollars anymore. So if that currency is going up and I had to you know, purchase that food in China or India or Russia or wherever I need to buy my grain or other products, um, it's going to become much more expensive and much more volatile because we're not trading in our own currency anymore. The currency here in the United States could potentially completely collapse or be worth a fraction of what it's worth today, driving up prices through the roof um, because of all the repatriation of dollars backed into the United States. So we'd have a debt issue where we couldn't issue debt. We'd have a a, a potential uh, inflation issue with dollars coming back. 
And then we'd have a volatility issue because the products out in the world are priced in a different currency than U.S. dollars, which becomes very difficult, right? Yeah. Like I said, if if uh, the BRICS currency becomes the international currency and it would go up 15% against the dollar and oil stayed the same, it costs 15% more to purchase oil holding U.S. dollars. Today, it doesn't work that way because the dollar is the dollar that needs to you know, support the trade. But you, you switch the currencies and the currency fluctuates and not the commodity, you'd still pay more or less depending on what that value does. And right. with this currency being backed by gold, I got to believe people would say, hey, I would rather hold the BRICS currency than the U.S. dollar. And that would become a huge problem. So what can people do now to defend themselves and their portfolios against these things uh, possibly happening down the road? Well, you know, I hate to be a salesperson for my own company, but, you know, you could back your retirement or your savings with a little bit of gold as well. So if gold is going up and you know that demand is coming from bricks and Quite frankly, central banks around the world last year purchased uh, 25% of all the gold mined uh, around the world. So they're doing that. You know, they're they're taking their paper dollars and they're purchasing uh, precious metals like gold and silver. It mm-hmm. gives you a great hedge because if gold's going up and you own it, fantastic. Even if the dollar's coming down, that currency, which would be gold, would be going the opposite way and making sure that later on, a year down the line. If it lost 20% and gold was up 20%, you just trade it back in and get 20% more paper dollars to go buy groceries and medical. Yeah, you're at least not wiped out, right? Right, right. Yeah. So uh, that would would be one way. Other tangible assets would do the same thing. So if you get inflation, you know, the other tangible assets, art, real estate, you know, so on and so forth would would also be good alternatives for people to think about and get educated about if they uh, believe this is going to happen at some point. Sure. All right. That's about all the time we have today, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me on the LearCast. If anyone would like to call Lear Capital and make your move into precious metals today, the number is 1-800-816-5452. Again, that's 1-800-816-5452. And now it's time to move on to our commentary section. Now, what do you think would be worse, being trapped in a failing bank or trapped outside of the banking system altogether? That's our commentary for this week. John Rubino is sounding the alarm that bank weaknesses could lead to so-called friction in getting your money out when you need it, citing Peter St. Ange, and I'll link the video in the show notes. Governments and banks are already demonstrating that they have the ability to arbitrarily lock up and lock in your money, and the Canadian trucker protest is a perfect example. The Canadian government trampled civil rights and due process to order banks to freeze customer accounts, and the banks dutifully went along without a peep. The U.S. government has many of the same tools at their disposal and the same ability. All it needs is a crisis. So keep an eye on liquidity issues in the banking system, especially. Interest rate hikes are causing cash crunches in many banks, but never fear, stress tests are here. Now, just a few weeks ago, the results of a Federal Reserve stress test on the banking system were released, and you will be so glad to know that everything is just fine, because of course it is. 
But is it really? Here's a few key points. Only 23 major banks were tested, and the test criteria is continually adjusted and is very complicated. And I've got some links in the show notes for you to look at there on those points. Also, commercial real estate is acknowledged in the report to be a big problem, a very big problem. But 80% of commercial real estate debt is held in smaller regional banks that were not part of the stress test. So that's interesting. The banking system may not be as healthy as the Fed represents. Tellingly, even Credit Suisse passed its test. Maybe that tells you all you need to know about the stress test. And for those of you that don't know or had forgotten, Credit Suisse collapsed earlier this year and was bought up by UBS. If interest rates hikes continue, we should see a real-life stress test. When and if banks get desperate, what will they do to stay afloat? Locked out of banking? In the EU, they are doing the opposite to so-called politically exposed persons, PEPs, and unbanking them altogether. Nigel Farage released a video, which I will link in the show notes, on what is happening to him. He mentioned his bank is closing his accounts. He's approached six or seven other banks and has been refused accounts there as well. Without a bank account, which you do not have a constitutional right to, you become almost a non-entity in today's society. Life becomes very difficult for you. How do you pay the bills? How do you pay your mortgage? He also points out what they can do to him, they can certainly do to you. The EU has often become a harbinger of things to come here, so be on the lookout. It can happen here if we are not vigilant. So which is worse, being locked into or out of the banking system? In either scenario, having a little physical gold stashed away within arm's reach would be comforting, don't you think? And of course, we at Lear Capital are here for your precious metals needs. If it is time for you to make your move into precious metals or add to your portfolio, give us a call. Mention the Learcast so that they know that you heard this. The number is 1-800-816-5452. Or you can visit the website, learcapital.com, and we will set you up with an account rep who will take care of you and get you started or get you advanced along your precious metals journey. Again, my name is Rachel Mills. It's been my pleasure hosting you on the Learcast today. Be sure and subscribe and tell all of your friends and tell your enemies too. Let them know about the Learcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. This has been the Learcast, a Lear Capital production. Thank you for listening.